I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Story Times. I'm Michelle. I'm Kirsten. My story time episode today. Heck yeah! So we switched for the next few weeks. Yep. And Michelle's doing. I'm back with story time. Story times, and I'll be doing true crimes. Um, so we decided we really need you guys to leave us reviews. Okay, we need constructive criticism, and I'm not talking about just the starring. We need, like, some commentary, okay? Some actual reviews. Please. Not a rating. Not yeah. just a rating, a review as well. So, we're going to read... Our two reviews that we, we have. We have two. So, we're going to read Podcast. them. Yeah. So, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, you can leave us a, a, a rating there, but I don't think you can leave a review. At least we can't really see it. Yeah. So, anyways, Kirsten's going to go first. Okay. This one says... I just found this podcast and am already hooked by and binging. Kirsten and Michelle are darling and have a natural rapport. Though right now they are poddlers, I see big things for them as they grow. And that was January 19th of 2022. Yes. So that was like months ago. Yeah. And that was from Malice Podcast. Okay. And our other one is Awesome Stuff. That's, that's what it's titled. Awesome Stuff. Michelle and Kirsten are an excellent duo. They both seem to always have captivating content each week. I look forward to every episode. Keep up the good work by PV2 Anderson. Okay. Thank you for your guys' reviews. Yeah. And if you have any more, please leave them. Yes. So if you leave a review, we will read it in our episodes. Yep. So go do that. Well, now we're going to get into our story times. Your story times. Yeah, actually mine. You're right. I don't know why. Hour. I mean, you're still I mean, sitting it for is it. our podcast, but yeah. it's your story time. Okay. So the first one is titled, He Tried to Come In to Clean Our Carpets. Oh, where's it from though? Reddit. From the subreddit, Let's Not Meet. Okay. Sorry. Okay. It's okay. Um, And the story is by Ninjin's Friend. Okay. Cross-posted from a comment I made on Ask Reddit seemingly ages ago. My mom's dog, Punky, R.I.P., R.I.P. to Punky, R.I.P. Punky, was a very sweet, loving dog. She was an ESA dog, but trained to be a service dog for PTSD before she lost her leg. I had never seen her get aggressive with anyone in the entire 12 years she lived. She never growled or nipped anyone, and she had no sense of smell, so she loved all animals and people. A real gentle giant among our little terriers at 60 pounds. What I'm getting at here was that her barking at something and being aggressive was so wildly uncharacteristic that I only saw it once. I, 11 female, was at home with my siblings, 2 male, and 6 female. My then stepdad is at work and my mom ran up to the gas station to grab a pack of cigarettes. It was only a mile to 
or two away from us. For reference, we lived in a two-bedroom trailer in the middle of the woods, on a dead-end road at the time, and you had to really make an effort to get down our road, find our house, navigate down our rickety driveway, and find the door. I'm sitting at the computer having a grand time watching YouTube videos when all of a sudden, all of our dogs, about two Boston Terriers and one Chihuahua, perk up, bark a few times, and start investigating down the hall. My siblings were napping in the bedroom at the end of the hall at the time, so I figured they just stirred and scared the dogs. But then, Punky sits up suddenly, stands up on the couch, and puffs her chest out. Her ears are perked up, her fur standing on end, her tail straight up, and then she barks. Loudly. I mean, the bark booms through the living room and echoes around, and all of a sudden, she lunges off the couch and goes tearing down the hallway. I'm already on edge because I don't think I've heard her bark. Ever. She's a Basenji mix, so her bark is more of a baying sound, but this was a big, loud, alert bark. I stand up and go to look down the hallway, ready to fight off what I'm assuming is a shadow monster in the hallway based on how the dogs are acting, but then I hear it. Knock, knock, knock. We didn't get visitors because of how weird our house was location-wise, so my 11-year-old mind had no clue what to do here. The only people who showed up were family, and they didn't knock, so I slowly walked towards the door. The knock drew the attention of the dogs, and they came running back down the hallway, all except for Punky, and I felt better with our three yappy dogs in the room with me, even if they were all the size of New York City sewer rats. <laughs> I opened the door just a bit, and standing on our porch is the sketchiest man I think I've ever seen. I can still picture him perfectly. He was a really thin, taller man with dark hair and a sunken face, bags under his eyes, and this half-managed hair, sort of like he just gave it a quick brush and then figured it was good enough. Everything about him seemed just a little too thin, a little too shallow, and his clothes were all off too. They were nice, but fake nice, you know? Like a clean, newer-looking t-shirt and new jeans, but he had what looked like a suit jacket on. All his clothes were dark, too, despite the fact it was summer in Texas, and the weather was definitely into the 100s that day. He also had this plain, unlabeled bottle in his hand. It looked like the label had been covered up and taped over. I stare up at him in confusion, because I definitely don't know this man, and I ask what he wants. He smiles at me in this way that's way too fake like this exaggerated and forced grin, and he spoke in the same voice retail workers do. Hey there, kiddo. I'm trying to sell this here carpet cleaner. And he shakes the bottle at me. Mind if I come in to show you how good it works? Alarms are going off in my head because he just seemed so off. Looking back with an adult perspective, the fact that he didn't ask if my parents were home is unnerving because he probably knew they weren't and that's why he was here in the first place. I should have told him to get off our property, that I'd have to go get my mom, something except what I did say, but I didn't. Instead, I just shook my head and said, no, we don't have carpet. Well, it works on other things, and he took a big step towards the door and shook the bottle at me. I start to freak out and think to close the door, but the thing is, our front door didn't even lock. Small town, hard to access home, we never needed a lock. So that's basically basically useless. 
I'm sure there's something very wrong about to happen, and I'm terrified as I think about what to do in the few seconds I think I have before it does happen, when all of a sudden, I hear it. Punky had crept up from the hallway, lowered towards the ground with her teeth bared and snarling like she was feral. She had slobber just dripping from her mouth, her ears were down, and she was ready to pounce. The guy hears it too, and as I look towards Punky, she tries to lunge past me, and I just barely catch her with my leg as she tries her hardest to duck past me and attack this guy. He freaks out and runs off the porch without another word, booking it down the driveway as I let Punky out along with the rest of our dogs and they start chasing him. Our small dogs chase him down the driveway and stop about halfway, barking and jumping about, but Punky stops just on the porch and watches him with her ears perked, just staring in the distance until he disappears. I swear I saw someone join up with him, running, when he got onto the road. The second he disappeared, Punky's entire body language changed and she went back to being the sweet dog I knew. No barking or growling, just laying around, mouth and throat covered in slobber still. I realize my siblings are still down the hall and run to check on them, and when I get to the bedroom, my siblings were sleeping soundly still. But the bedroom window was wide open. The curtains pushed all to one side and the items on the dresser in front of the window all shoved around. Someone had tried to climb through the window, no doubt in my mind about it. From what I can gather, the bedroom window was visible from the couch where Punky was sleeping, so I think someone was trying to climb through the window before Punky went after them and scared them off, and the man at the door was meant to distract me. They definitely didn't expect Punky, a bigger dog, because most of the time, She was with my mom inside, while our small dogs were the ones that saw public eye more often. I don't know what they intended to do, but after my mom got home, she took all of us to my aunt's house, and on our way there, we saw the men walking up someone else's driveway. Men, plural, because we watched a second one split off to wait by the road. So, to the two men apparently going door-to-door to sell their unlabeled carpet cleaner, I'd really rather not meet again. And she left an edit for a link to pictures of some of Punky. I'm about to look. Oh my oh gosh. Oh my goodness. So adorable. So cute. R.I.P. So adorable. She's cute. I would be scared of her. I would not. She's so adorable. She you is can adorable. tell she's just a big sweetheart. Well, I'm afraid of dogs anyway. I'm yeah. scared of freaking chihuahuas i love big dogs oh my gosh i want a great dane so bad (laughs) that's so crazy though i feel like dogs really have that ability to like sense something that's going on like more than humans i mean like she said she sensed that it was bad it's just the dog the dogs just know very protective too and like i have a chocolate lab and Mm -hmm. he is the sweetest lap dog Mm -hmm. that you'll ever meet i mean i think all labs are yeah. And part of me is like, if anything happened, I like, and someone broke into our house, I don't think our dog would do anything about it. But then, like, stories like this mm-hmm. make me believe that maybe he would attack somebody. Yeah. If he felt he needed to. Mm-hmm. But my mm-hmm. childhood dog hates everyone. So <laughs> he's a border collie mix mm-hmm. and he just does not like people. You would think he would because he's a border collie, but mm-hmm. he does not like people or other dogs that much at all. Yeah. Even an old lady was walking by us and he like just started barking at her like don't try to pet my dog 
he doesn't dogs like people. just like freak me out just because i feel like you never know what a dog's gonna do yeah our neighbor has a couple dogs mm-hmm. one is a pit bull and one is a boxer mm-hmm. and those they're are the best dogs so sweet i mm-hmm. mean they are sweet i give them like treats through the fence even though i don't know if i'm supposed to but like <laughs> they're outside all day so i give him treats and jeffrey goes over and like tries to pet him but i don't let him stick his hand through the gate because yeah i don't know i don't know the dogs yeah i know they're nice but right. you don't know if he grabs them right if they would react yeah so well thank you for the story that was really good that was i a mean good, i'm sorry that, that happened story, to you but yeah i couldn't imagine that happening that's terrifying all right on to the next story okay my own smiling man who happened to love scooby-doo okay and this story is by pistol perfect I have always taken a liking to reading the stories here. My favorite was probably one that was brought to my attention called The Smiling Man. While reading this story, it made me relive my own experience I've had while walking downtown with my father. Unfortunately, I am here to share with you that experience. Growing up, I was raised by a single father. Since my mother had a lot of mental health issues and she eventually left us living in a rather decently sized city, in a less than moderate downtown apartment. My father, a young man who's practically a workaholic in order to support myself, as well as keep both of us in decent housing, would usually bring me to a nearby family member to watch over me while he was at work. At the time of this occurrence, I was about seven and still didn't understand how to take care of myself at home while my father was at work. In other words, I struggled to make microwavable popcorn. (laughs) Yeah, I was one of those kids. It was the weekend and my father was heading to one of his two jobs. Thus, he was going to bring me to an aunt's home, which was just a few blocks down. We usually walked considering my father's job, as well as my aunt's home wasn't too far away, and we couldn't afford a car. Let's focus on what happened. Don't remember the specific date. I think it was early summer, Saturday, around 7 p.m. I'm in my Scooby-Doo pajamas, happily awaiting my sleepover with my wonderful auntie, and my father is getting ready to leave. I grab a movie to watch at my aunt's house, probably Blue's Clues or Scooby-Doo or something similar. We leave our room, lock up the apartment, and head out onto the sidewalk. Immediately after walking out, I notice there is a man leaning against the outer building next to the door. He is smoking a cigarette and just casually standing there. He was wearing a baseball cap, but that is really all I remember about him. We begin walking down the road in the direction of my aunt's. We get about five feet when he says, Hey kid, cute pajamas. My father gripped my hand a little tighter and pulls me a tad forward, forcing me to keep stride. I was about to turn my head to look at the man, but my father must have noticed because he told me to just keep walking. We make it to the edge of the sidewalk and have to wait for the light to change when I hear him again. Hey kid, what you got there? I felt my father's hand get super tense. He leaned down and picked me up, basically making sure that I wouldn't leave his side. The man repeated again, what you got there? I love Scooby-Doo. He then proceeded to make harsh laughing sound in the voice of Scooby-Doo. You know the high-pitched re sort of laugh? I dug my face into my father. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do Scooby-Doo. anyways you know the scooby-doo laugh people yeah sorry i wasn't trying to laugh just the way i said it was funny 
It was then, after I was done burying my face into my father's shoulder, that I saw the man a little clearer. He had what looked like pimples or scabs all over his face, a baseball cap shadowing most of his forehead and eyes, and a very large smile. Although I believe I remember him having what seemed like a scarred lip or a cleft lip, I'm not sure, but I know there was something weird about his lips. I noticed only because of his enormous and awkward smile. It was right after the light turned and allowed for us to continue walking across the street that the man reached out and brushed my hair. I recoiled away from him and dug my face into my father's shoulder once more. My dad noticed this and swung around yelling at the man to get his effing hands off his son. He said some more things, most of which was language he didn't usually say around me. I was terrified. The man slowly backed off. His hands held up, smile still plastered onto his face. Still holding me, my father quickly walks across the road and gets onto the other side. I looked up and the man was still standing there, smile on his face. After we had gotten to be what seemed like a safe distance, my father asked if he could put me down, and we began to walk hand in hand again. We get about a block away from my aunt's home when, amongst the usual sounds of traffic, I began to hear quick and heavy steps behind us. My father must have heard it too because he took me by my shoulder and moved both of us towards the buildings. From my understanding now, he must have believed it to just be a jogger out on the town. However, when I looked back, it was the man again, smile on his face, hat covering his eyes. Hey, you never told me what you got there, kiddo. My father had had enough. He turned around, keeping me away from the man with a hand on my chest and began to yell. I had never really heard my father yell. He was a smaller guy, about 5'9", but he is rather burly and built due to him being a diesel mechanic. The sound of his deep voice made me recoil, and I became even more worried. After using more profane language and telling the man to get lost, the man once more began talking. I just love Scooby-Doo, man. I want to see if I could try on his PJs. That was what did it. My father clenched up and laid the man out. No other words said. One punch and the man was down. Once my father saw that he wasn't getting up, he picked me up and basically ran the rest of the way to my aunt's home. He set me down, explained to her what had happened, and called the police, telling them there was a confrontation. I remember there being at least two cars with flashing lights that pulled up, but when I asked my dad about this story before writing this, he claimed that they never updated him on whether they found the man or not. Needless to say, I still ended up staying at my aunt's place for a couple days. I just remember that night, probably along with the following week, being absolutely terrified and spooked. We eventually ended up moving out of there, and my father ended up marrying another woman. We moved into a quiet town where not a lot happens, and I am now in college. But after reading the famous Smiling Man story on here, it triggered the story in my memory, and I had to go and ask my father about the blunt details of what happened that night. I'm going to sleep with my lights on tonight. Hey, scabbed up, probably now concave scold, creepy-ass man who wanted to try on my PJs, Let's never meet again. What the actual fuck? Yeah, I know, bro. Listen. Uh, that... Oh, I'm already scared of, like, walking. Mm-hmm. Even during the day. Mm-hmm. 
this just fucked me up more. Yeah. Like, literally, yesterday I took the kids. I we, I live in a small-ass town. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happens in this town. It's very quiet. Everyone is very friendly. I have nothing to worry about. I could walk at night if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Nothing would probably happen. I took the kids on a walk yesterday. It was just me and the kids. Mm-hmm. And I saw this man was walking. He didn't have any shoes on. He was carrying a twisted tee. Couldn't walk in a... Wasn't walking in a straight line. Was he carrying it for the memes? I don't know. I'm just assuming that he was drunk. Because it was, like, nice out. Yeah. You know, people be day drinking. But it just, like, I don't know. I had never seen this guy before. He mm-hmm. wasn't, like, scary looking. Just, like, red flags went up. And I was, like, nope. Yeah. Nope. I'm not dealing with this. I'm already... I'm small. I'm a woman. I got two kids. I don't know what's going to happen. So I whipped out my phone and I called Logan just to, like, talk about random shit. And then Mm -hmm. I told him when I got home, I called you because there was a creepy guy. I mean, he wasn't creepy. It was just a guy. But, like, I don't know what was going to happen. Right. I saw him, like, two or three different times. Freaked me out. So. Right. This just freaked me out more. Now I'm never going to walk by myself again. I don't usually do it. I went and ran at the park before by myself, but nothing ever happens there. It's you just, also have to pay know. to get in, so yeah. I feel like, you know. Yeah. That was a, that's a creepy story, though. For sure. On to the next. It is titled The Laboratory. The I, Laboratory. I wanted to say it like that because of, um, what's that show? The Dexter's Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Dee Dee, get out of my laboratory. That's what he used <laughs> to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that show, dude. Get out of my laboratory. (laughs) Okay. And the story is by OK Significance 9329. I don't think you finished the title. I think we stopped at laboratory. Oh, shoot. The The laboratory in (laughs) the laboratory in the forest. Okay. So, every summer, my family and I venture north for several weeks, as do most other families in my state. The town we visited was not far from another sprawling town on a lake. Despite my overall disdain for most people in traffic, same, Mm -hmm. the area was pleasant most of the time. Additionally, two friends of mine also visited the area and we would meet with each other at least two or three days out of the two weeks I was there. The names of my friends are Usai and Jack, and we are all the same age and live in the same town back home, so we know one another quite well. Anyway, one evening, when I rode my bike over to the general store, where we would all meet, only Jack was there. For context, Jack is always 5 to 10 minutes late, and Osai was always there at least 20 minutes before me, seeing as though he could just walk from where his family's cabin was to the store, so this took me slightly by surprise. So I asked Jack where Osai was, and he said, "'Didn't you get the message?' He said he found something and was going to take a while before he got back. I was confused when he had stated this, as I did not remember getting a message from our group chat. But sure enough, when I opened my messages, there was one that wasn't opened. The message read something along the lines of, I'm going to be a little late. I found something really cool. So me and Jack waited about an hour in front of the store waiting for Osai when he finally showed up but he didn't have his bike, which I found downright weird, seeing as though he cherished that thing. Before we could say anything to Osai, he immediately said, You guys have to check out this building I found. Come on, let's go. 
I asked him where his bike was, and he just responded with, It's back at my cabin. You probably want to leave your bikes here if you want to get to the place I found. So we obliged and chained our bikes to a lamp post. We followed Osai down the main road until we came up to a gravel side street with a no outlet sign. Osai pointed at the gravel road and said, Down here, it's going to be past the end of the road, so expect some hiking. When we came onto the gravel road, I noticed nearly instantly that there were very few homes on the road, which was bizarre for such a well-populated area at the time of year we were visiting. About a quarter of the way down this decrepit and unkempt road, at least by Osai's measurement, Jack asked what this building was that Osai had found, and Osai responded by saying it was an abandoned and odd-looking gray brick building with a metal roof shaped like a half-circle, similar to a greenhouse. I asked if he entered the building yet, and Osai said that he tried the front door, but it got stuck on something. After Osai had said this, Jack asked if Osai knew for certain that this building was abandoned, and Osai responded by saying that some of the windows were broken and the entire back end of the house next to it was destroyed. After Osai had mentioned this, we all agreed that if we can get into this facility, we can make it a hideout where Osai and Jack could smoke, seeing as though I don't, but I thought it would be fun to have that sort of thing nonetheless. After about another hour of walking, we finally reached the end of the road. At this point, it was 7 o'clock in the evening and it was becoming noticeably darker under the canopy of trees on this essentially destitute road. So I was beginning to have second thoughts, but I kept my mouth shut because Osai wasn't the best person to argue with if you catch my meaning. So we proceeded into the woods for what I could guess was about a mile when we stumbled into a clearing with a big bungalow-style house in the building that Osai described to us to the left of it. We waited for, give or take, three minutes to see if the coast was clear and then made our way to the building. Osai's discernment almost precisely fit the appearance of the facility. It was roughly 10 feet tall, with a curved roof made with sheet steel, not unlike what you would find on barns or utility sheds. Osai was now excited, and when we, he went up to the door, he motioned for us to help him open it, so that is just what we did. And to this day, I regret ever going anywhere near that clearing. We opened the door with relative ease, but what came next was completely unexpected. Something fell from the table blocking the door, and it sounded vaguely wet, and when Osai had shined his flashlight in the general direction of where the sound occurred, we saw, and I am not joking, a severed alligator head with strings of flesh and muscle still attached. At about this time, the smell of the interior hit all of us, and I vomited, with Osai and Jack proceeding to gag. Mind you, we were in a place nowhere near a natural habitat for alligators, about a thousand miles to be more exact, so this was beyond weird to just find the head of one laying in a building on the other side of the continent. Osai, being as stubborn as ever, shined his light even further into the building, and all we saw were pieces of various reptiles all over the place. We had also seen syringes and vats on long tables, along with blood smeared across most of the surfaces that weren't covered with a multitude of reptile parts. At the moment we opted to get out of there, Jack whispered, What the fuck? 
At this, Osai and I turned to where Jack was looking and found that one of the lights was on in one of the downstairs rooms of the seemingly abandoned house, and someone was walking to the front door. What looked to be a man stepped out and issued a nearly deafening scream that sent us running through the woods back to the road. None of us mentioned what had happened to our parents, and it has been five years since this has ensued. Not a day passes where I don't think about it. That is disgusting. What the fuck? Yeah. I thought that was crazy. That's serial killer vibes. <laughs> Low-key. That's yeah, fucked I thought up. it was pretty crazy. That's fucked up. For real. There was, like, a comment on it that I wanted to read mm -hmm. that might make the story make more sense and less creepy. But, um... <laughs> one of the comments, by the way, says, You could at least have said hi to him. <laughs> I mean... Um, but another comment, the end, the tail end of it, says, I hope someone can shed some light on why someone would need this secretive sort of lab for alligators, because as Jack so elegantly said, what the fuck? And the OP replied, although this is merely local hearsay, some individuals that I've conversed with when I visited the area in the following years stated toward me that roughly 10 to 15 years prior to me and my family's and my friends initially visiting the area, a former University of Pennsylvania student was residing there and constructed a separate facility from his home to house the reptiles and amphibians that he had obtained from Central America when he was still a herpetology student. Oh, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, it says, as I stated above, this is merely provincial or local conjecture with some conveying to me that the student arrived in upwards of 25 years before me and the others ventured onto his land, whereas others have stated the student purchased the abandoned portion of land as early as five years prior to my visit. The testimonies deviate so greatly, even by the name of said student, with some conceiving that his name was John while others stated his name was Connor, that I oftentimes disregarded what they stated and reserved the matter to be something that I would much rather not attempt to pursue ever again. Yeah. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. But that would make more sense if they were a herpetology student, but still. Right. That's, uh, why would you just leave the dismembered parts? Yeah, I don't parts? know. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me either, but those that's all I really ones. have today. Those, those, those are pretty good. So, Pretty crazy. if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon already, go do it. Go do it. And... Link in show notes. Yep. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.